This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. He is the founder of Verbatim Financial, and he says he is the husband to the strongest and best medical doctor ever, his wife, Eva. John Stoy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. And um, I'm glad to be here and happy to share with your listeners. Now, this is a audio-only podcast, but I'm seeing him on video right now. And behind him, he's got this big sign that says, nobody knows anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that used to hang in my office uh, pre, pre-lockdown. I put that up because... Uh, in this really, it, I think it applies everywhere, but especially in my area, uh, a line of work as a financial advisor, um, financial advisors have a, uh, a habit of telling people or wanting to tell the people all the stuff that they know that they can do for them. Um, when in reality, none of us really, uh, know anything we can, we can hope to, uh, you know, prepare maybe, mm-hmm. uh, for, for things, but you know, as for knowing it, forget it. Going back to another lifetime, way back in 19 mid 80s, I took an accounting class and two things as a result of this accounting class. One, I didn't want to be an accountant. And number two, my instructor says one of the best answers, I want to know what you think of this. One of the best answers the accountants say is, it depends. Is that true? Um. For sure. Uh, in fact, it's funny. One of the, I, I, I have a habit. I do not like to give answers that I don't know the answer to, if, if that makes sense. I don't, I want to be very sure of what I'm going to tell people. So one of the times, uh, in my, my corporate career that I got to the most trouble with one of my bosses is that we were trying to trade some large amount of bonds. Um, and I was on, uh, the an- analyst side, and I was doing this analysis on this big bond. They wanted to trade, you know, X million dollars of this bond. And the trading desk was waiting for my number for what it was supposed to be worth. And I'm running these scenarios, and I built the model to value the thing and all that stuff. There's a lot of complicated math behind it. And my boss is standing behind me, just staring at my computer screen. And he says, Is that the number? And I told him, It depends. And I was being very serious, and you could have seen steam coming out of his ears, uh, you know, uh, when, when I said that. Because it, the, the fact is, is that it was very true, that it did depend. It, did, it depended on whether interest rates went up or interest rates went down, or whether uh, more borrowers, borrowers defaulted on their mortgages within that bond structure, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yes, it often depends. And, and that's what, you know, I, I, you have to tell people, otherwise you're not being honest. Mm. I never would have passed my accounting class if we didn't weren't allowed to bring one of those postcards. It's like uh, this is one of the small postcards. We could write anything we wanted in the cards. I wrote the front, the back, the top, the bottom, the sides. I wrote in the f- smallest font I could. I-, I passed the class, but don't ask me to do any accounting now. But I was so thankful that I passed it. And I and I have a lot a lot of lawyer friends, and they say you never ask a question in open court unless you know the answer. And I, mm-hmm. that always stuck with me because if you don't know the answer, then you're relying on the witness to give the answer. And most witnesses aren't really going to tell the truth, my, from my opinion. Yeah, tell the truth or um, would they will tell the truth as they maybe genuinely, genuinely and honestly remember it. But that may not be what ha- what actually happened. Exactly. So let's talk about the phrase that people, especially entrepreneurs, don't like to say, and that's, I don't know. They 
it seems like people think it's a weakness to say, I don't know, but we've already brushed on the surface already in the show. Nobody knows everything. And certainly saying, I don't know is not a weakness, is it? Uh, I sure don't believe it is. Um, it's, it's something that if you don't get comfortable with it, you can really quickly fall into traps of, uh, making things up, uh, you know, expanding on knowledge that you may not actually have. Uh, and the problem with telling things like that and giving people information that, that, that may or may not be a hundred percent accurate is that it can always come back and bite you. Um, it's, it's sort of, I, I say the same thing in my personal life as I do in my business life. There's, there's really, it's so much more work to essentially tell a lie than it is to tell the truth because of you don't need to tell too many lies before you can't remember which ones you've told to whom and, and where. Um, and especially again, in my business where everything does focus on numbers and it should be fairly easy eventually to see whether you were correct or not, or knew the answer, uh, at some point in the future, uh, it's, it's not a good idea to tell somebody something, uh, that, that, that you don't know anything about. One of my heroes, Judge Judy, often said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory, which is basically what you just said. But, you- but, 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 but a much, in a much better fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. But see, when you tell John, not you, you tell John one thing, and you tell Susie another thing, and Sally another thing, and Bob another thing, and Larry another thing, then you're like, okay, what did I tell John? Because it's so confusing. Just tell the truth. And if that truth is you don't know, I would respect that person. And I think you would too, John. If you say, look at, I don't know, but you know what? I'll find out for you, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's very true. Uh, and I think, you know, um, in it helps with my clients, but it when I, 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 I took a detour from finance for a little while and I ran a, a, a sushi production company and we made fresh sushi and we delivered it to uh, corporate clients and also educational clients. So um, one of the biggest accounts I, I ever won uh, on that in that business was was I delivered sushi to the Atlanta public schools and it was an account I had been working on for a year, uh, maybe t- to get, and I just assumed it would never happen because I kept talking to the to the chef that was in charge of the school system, and he kept giving me these little questions and answers, and it just I didn't think it would happen. Then he called me up uh, beginning of the summer, and he said, "Hey, you know what? I think we're ready to do it. Let's do some sushi." And I said, "Okay, great." Um, and he said, "Okay, so on August sixteenth, I need you to deliver sixty thousand pieces of sushi." And my jaw dropped and, and, and I had to tell him, I said, I have literally no idea how I'm going to be able to do that or whether I can do that. We may have to have some serious discussions about this. Um, and that scared him because he had, unbeknownst to me, put his neck on the line uh, with his superiors to, to, to push this uh, sushi as an option on the menu. Um, but I had to tell him that because of, I didn't know whether I could do it. Um, and I had lead time. We eventually figured out how to deliver the sushi in a way for the students. Every student needs to be able to to have some. Um, but 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 if I had if I had just said okay, great, and I once had unfortunately a, a short term business partner um, 
who who would say yes to everything, whether it was possible or not. And it put us in some terrible mm-hmm. situations. Um, and so I was already smarting from that. And the last thing I ever wanted to do was get into a situation where <laughs> where I agreed to do, to, some, to do something that didn't turn out to be possible. Sushi in school. Now, in about a week, I will turn 56. And I went to school in the 70s and early 80s. There was no sushi back then. Uh, we got soggy pizza. We got soggy mac and cheese. So I don't know what the sushi, what kind of school district has sushi. I mean, that's uh, that's in a different uh, different world for me. Yeah, well, things. I mean, things have changed since we went to school. I am, I am, I'm going to be 51, so we're 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 crossing over pretty good uh, in terms of what we ate in our school cafeterias. But, uh, but you know, I mean, part of it was a little bit during the Obama administration. Michelle Obama was pushing for health healthier choices for children, and sushi, you know, is a healthier choice uh, for the most part. And also, um, that was really what was so cool about it is that it. To deliver sushi to a university like the University of Georgia, um, that was really cool. But you kind of expected college kids to eat sushi. Um, but the the Atlanta public schools, uh, a lot of the schools are are inner city schools, and you're typically not thinking of, of the students that go there as sushi eaters. That's a stereotype, unfortunately. But you know, to some extent, it was true. And when I sampled the sushi to the kids there. Uh, a lot of them would turn up their noses, but but then you know some kid would prod the other kid to try it, and then they would say, "Wow, this is actually this actually tastes pretty good." Uh, and and I think I really, if I had to think of something I'm proud of in my in my career, it's that I think I turned some kids on to some different types of foods that they never would have even tried, maybe for a decade. You got Facebook. Well, I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook page and I have a Facebook group, both under the name of Mr. Productivity. So if you are into Facebook, if you love Facebook, go look me up on Facebook. Just look for Mr. Productivity. Mm, Very nice. So let's get back to I don't know and thinking I know and everything. One of the things I learned from one of my long distance mentors uh, Brendan Burchard. And what I mean by long distance mentors, he doesn't even know they exist, but I, I follow his work. He always says that true experts are students first. And so every day without fail, I'm trying to spend 30 to 60 minutes reading a book, listening to an audiobook, listening to a podcast, watching a webinar, because I think that that keeps us from thinking we know all the answers. Do you believe that true experts are students first? Of course. Um I don't see I don't see how you could become an expert without being a student first. And I would say that most genuine experts for the most part won't say that they're an expert. It'll be demonstrated by their work product, uh, and how they answer questions. Um, you'll be able to tell that they're an expert, but if they come out and and say, like, if it says in their, uh, in their LinkedIn profile or their Twitter handle expert in X, Y, Z, um, my initial thought is that they're probably not an expert. They're trying to learn about it, but they want people to think they're an expert. Um, and you know, I was, I'm going to, I'm going to go back in my, you know, in my career prior to the sushi business, I spent um, 15 
plus years in in structured finance. I worked uh, with bonds and I was a banker. I was a portfolio manager. Um, I did all sorts of jobs within a very sort of narrow band of, of the fixed income financial markets. And looking back, it took me almost a decade to figure out when I look back that, you know why it was so cool to do that job is because of, I had become an expert at it because I, my job was to read research. My job was to constantly look at uh, investments. My job was to work with different clients and try to figure out what, how to solve their problems. And that made me an expert. I didn't even know it at the time. I never billed myself as, as an expert. Um, and it was only later um, when I got into the sushi business, frankly, that I realized how much I had to learn. I thought that it would be easy. I thought business is business. I'll be able to run a, you know, a small business as well as I could do uh, a, a financial analysis, but, but it doesn't work that way. And it takes that, I'm sure you've heard that idea that 10,000 hours of, of, of doing something before you become, you know, competent at it. And, and, uh, and I had some overconfidence for sure that, 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 that brought me down to earth when I started realizing that, yeah, I got to climb up that, uh, that tree again to get to that 10,000 hours. <laughs> The, in my opinion, I define an expert as someone who's a few steps ahead of the people they're training. So for example, I have a membership site, Digital Productivity Coaching, and I go through my 12-step process to productivity. Well, here's the thing. I have already done three steps. I'm working on the fourth step this week, but I'm not worried about the fifth, sixth, and seventh steps yet because I haven't had to present them yet. I haven't had any clients there yet. So a lot of people back in the day would say, you got to create the entire course or the entire membership or the entire whatever. But all you need to do is get the first training module done. And then because no one's going to see second, third, and fourth. So do the first module, you roll out the first module, you work on the second module, the second module. And that way, by the time they get to the seventh module, you're it's done. So they're not like, paying for something you're not going to get. You have to obviously deliver. But an expert, in my opinion, is just a little bit ahead. And I, there's a couple of uh, entrepreneurs. There are those who think they're better than anyone else. These are the people you have to join. their million-dollar masterminds who even get in the same room with them. And then there are people, I like to say, like Gary Vaynerchuk. If you see him in New York City, you can walk up to him and say hi. If you see him in the airport, you can say hi. He's down to earth. And I have pledged to my listeners, to my fans, to my wife and my inner circle, I said, never let me become one of the first group. Never let me think I've got it all figured out. Never let me think I'm better than anyone else because I'm truly not. I am a student of life. I'm a student of productivity. I'm a student of performance and I'm trying to learn every day. But I think it's really off-putting when people act like they have all the answers because you're like, really, really? You're a Facebook expert. So you created Facebook. You program Facebook. Now, so that that's the problem I have with the word expert, but I really believe all an expert is they're just a little bit ahead of everybody else. Yeah, you know what that that resonates with me. It really does because um so as a financial planner, I it's part of my job to create a a financial plan for folks. Um but I work with folks long term because uh, the, the, there's an old saying that says a uh, financial plan is, 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 is correct and good until you hit print on it. 
um, because things change. Um, and there are so many things like my sign says that we don't know, um, that you can only be relatively sure of the things that you're the closest to at the time. So what I will do with folks is that I won't create a 24 pound paperweight of paper, uh, to, uh, of a financial plan for them to, you know, basically throw on a shelf at some point. We, we go through each piece and it takes time to get from one piece to the next piece and information is changing. Um, and I can't be, to use that word, I can't be an expert on their lives until I know them a lot better. And so if if they're new clients, I can't deliver them a full financial plan that's going to be anywhere near um, accurate or, or, or good for them because I don't know yet enough information to, 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 for that to be a good thing. And so just like you said, you want to be hopefully one step ahead and I'll be able to guide them through because I do know what at least the next step should, you know, ideally should be. Um, but I don't know what the two or three steps ahead are going to be because of the, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in their lives either. Now I want to make one comment about your sign. Nobody knows anything. Prime example is COVID. And when this first hit back in February, March of 2020, Nobody knew anything about COVID. All the experts, air quotes here for the podcast, experts were, they were just guessing because no one knew. It was a new virus. No one knew. And it really annoyed me when they said, this is the truth. And the next day, no, this is the truth. The next day, this is the truth. And I think that's part of the problem. We have so many people angry in the world today because they keep telling you, okay, no, the 97 thing, this is the truth. Well, you told us that the other 96 things. And I think that's a good example that, yes, the experts have to try to tell us something, the immunologists and the virologists and all the disease experts, but they were just guessing because this is something new. And I didn't, I wouldn't want them to go up on stage and say, look at, we don't have any clue. We're clueless because that would not instill, instill confidence in the world. But when you keep telling us, Today is the truth, and then tomorrow, this is the truth, and the next day, this is the truth. The the public starts going, wait a minute, do you have any clue what's going on? And I think that really hurt their um their authority in the world. What do you think about that? Um I oh I totally I actually totally agree. Um and they they suffered for a few from a few things, not to get off on a on a on a on that type of uh tangent, but not everybody, in fact, very few people, as we know, are good communicators. And so you're putting people who might normally be behind desks or even in labs uh, in front of cameras, and they're not going to communicate as well as as maybe they would have had they had years of training in simply that communication. But also, uh, in the environment that we find ourselves in, you know, nuance is... Uh, an endangered species. Um, and going back to what we said earlier, and you asked me about uh, it depends, and I said, uh, you know, how I got in trouble. Um, I'm a huge fan of nuance. And um, I used to annoy my friends all the time, even in high school, because uh, they would say something. And, and I think we always know, you know, teenagers feel that they know everything. When we're teenagers, we felt we knew everything. Um, and so they would make some sort of statement and I would always say, well, what do you mean by that? And it got to the point where they were like, 
oh my God, not Stoy again with this. What do you mean by that? <laughs> but it's because of, I really, I was trying to figure it out. I was like, that either that didn't make any sense to me, or maybe I didn't quite understand it. I wanted to understand it. But um, so <clears throat> it's, it's the lack of, of, uh, of people don't have an openness to ask those questions. They really, I think what you're, what you were referencing was the fact that people would really like to be told one thing, what the truth is. Um, and that's what they want. So perhaps that's what these folks were trying to give the public, even though it wasn't the right thing (laughs) to give them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so where can we people go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? Um, well, if they want to learn a little bit about uh, my financial planning firm, um, they can go to uh, verbatimfinancial.com, uh, easiest place to find me. Uh, if they want to learn about me, I'm not sure why they would, but you know, every in the social media uh, obsessed world, we we I, I I find new people that I'm I'm enjoying getting to know, uh, and so I, I have the same handle basically everywhere on the web, uh, and it's it's at Stoyboy, and that's S T O J B O J because of my name is pronounced uh, Stoy, and it's uh, spelled S T O J, and so it's it's I took that moniker because of again back in grade school kids used to make fun of me and they would they would they would call me stoy boy and i couldn't stand it at the time um and then and then years later uh in college when i was i actually boxed in college and when i was going for one of my uh bouts uh my friends were clapping to the old cosmos cheer and they would say stoy boy instead and and, and suddenly <laughs> like right then that that thing flipped from being a bad uh thing a bad memory to suddenly a good memory. So now I have that same handle for everywhere. Excellent. Excellent. And before I let you go, so why, what is so awesome about your, what does your wife do? Cause you said she's the most awesome MD in the world. Um, well, you know, uh, I feel like, uh, I have the, the, the most awesome wife in the world for me, uh, regardless, but, but she just impresses me, frankly, uh, all the, the docs that went through all the stuff with COVID is crazy, but she's a, you know, she's an anesthesiologist and she does robotic surgery and, and all sorts of stuff like that. So the fact that she does robotic heart surgery helps keep people alive, uh, it, it impresses the heck out of me. Wow. Well, I'm so thankful you were on the show today. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your insights with us. Oh, Mark, I I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.